today we want to have another look at another one of those wonderful gifts that God has given to all of us as Christians, and that is the gift of pastoring. And while I understand that pastoring can be an office which requires uh, ordination, setting in place, which we'll come to in a moment, there's a sense in which every believer is called to look after and care for the sheep, and that is a major part of pastoring, to care for the sheep. So even if you're not a pastor in the official capacity, what I have to say to you today is going to help you, first of all, in your own life, in your relationship with the official pastors, and through your life for God to be able to care for and pastor his sheep, and therefore make it easier on those in the official capacity of pastor, um, take a bit of the load off them as they know that the sheep are being cared for by one another. So we're going to start by just reading together from the book of Acts and the 20th chapter, a very well-known portion of Scripture. And I want to pick up in the 17th verse where Paul calls for the elders at Miletus, at Ephesus. He says this in the 17th verse, God's word says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders, and that word is a bit, we'll come back to this again, but it's the, the elders is the presbyteros of the church. When they, the elders, arrived, he said to them, you know how I have lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be, would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only, I love that, I've got it underlined in my Bible, if only I may finish the race. I've got that underlined too. And complete the task, and that underlined too, the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among, none, none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will or counsel of God. Keep watch. Now, this is so important. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It's a different word, same person, episkopos. And we'll come back to that in a moment. And then he goes on to say that. So the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he's addressing the same people. He says this to them using a different word, be shepherds, and that's the word poimain. Be shepherds of the, of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise. This must be heartbreaking. It's happened in my own life. I've seen it. Even from, among, from your own number, Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So, be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning you, 
each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. And then he goes on and he says a little later in verse 34, 5, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And, re and you could read on. Can I just say this before I launch into this? I can't read all the scriptures I'm going to give you. I'll give you a lot of references throughout this time. But I always say this. If you're serious about God and you really want the best from him, you want to know what the word's saying, not just what, what Dudley's saying the word says. Have a look at it for yourself. So read scriptures that I give you, just the references to. Read them for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to make them real in you, to give you revelation and an impartation by the Spirit of God that transforms you and makes you a better servant of God and son of the living Father. So let's just have a look at some of these uh, things that I want to quickly look at you uh, at quickly with you today. First of all, while there is a specific office, the office of pastoring, all believers can be involved in caring for one another, which is a major part of pastoring, caring for. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 2, be poimain, shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. In other words, take care of the flock. Jesus said to Peter in John, John 21 verse 16, take care of my sheep. But the Bible clearly teaches that caring is the responsibility of all believers towards one another. It's not just the poimain, the elders, the episkopos, it's all of us. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 13 16 says, don't forget to do good and to share what you have because God is pleased with these kinds of sacrifices. Romans 12 13 says, contribute, this is to all believers, not just to leaders, contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Or another, or the NRV says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. I'm just going to read a few of these scriptures to you. Philippians 2, 14 says, a uh, 4 says, Philippians 2, 4 says, instead, each, of, each person should watch out for, for their own good and watch out for, out for what is better for others. In, you could read James chapter 2, verses 14 through to 17. I'm going to skip that. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, he says, If someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but refuses to help, how can the love of God dwell in them? Caring is an aspect, an attribute of God's impartation of Jesus living in us by his Spirit. If we don't care, there's something wrong with our walk with God. In Acts 20, 35, he says, we must help the weak in the way, and then he goes on to say, in this way, we remember the Lord Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, he says, so continue encouraging each other and building each other up. All of this is to believers, not leaders. You can have a look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through to 12. John 13, 34 says, be kind to one another, to one another. 
1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 through to 27. I'm just picking a little bit of this out. He says, so that there may be no division in the body, but the members will have the same care for one another. And so there's many, many more encouraging scriptures throughout the Bible that encourage us to care for one another. It's a gift from God to care for one another. It's not a burden. It's a gift from God to care for one another. And so we don't have to be ordained into the office of, of a pastor to be able to help with the major part of pastoral function, namely caring for one another. If we do this well, we keep the office pastors, those in the official capacity, we keep them fresh. So reach out to the needy, the vulnerable, the sick, etc. And read just these scriptures. I'm just going to give you the references quickly. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. James chapter 1 and verse 27. Romans 1, uh, 15, verse 1. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. And Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Now, having said that, let's have a look at the office of the pastor, knowing now that it's the call of God on our, all of our lives to care for one another, which is a part of the pastoral function. But now let's have a look at this office. For those of you who are pastors in the churches we belong to, that we part of, there are three Greek, Greek words that all refer to the same person. I began to try and say something of that uh, right at the beginning here. I'm just going to have a quick look at some of these scriptures here and, and, and some of these words. And so we look at um, these three Greek words quickly. The first one um, is a word, these, these words are interchangeable. The first one is presbyteros, which is the word elder. And, and that's the one we get our, our Greek word, our English, from that Greek word, we get the English word presbytery, presbyter, or presbyterian from that word. The second one is the word episkopos which is the word overseer. It's made up of two Greek words. One is epi, which is over, and scopus, which is seer. And it's sometimes translated in the English Bibles as bishop, same word, episkopos, can be a overseer, a bishop. And then the third Greek word is the word permain, P-O-R-M-A-I-N, which means to shepherd or pastor. This word can be translated other uh, other way, and it means the same, pastor or shepherd. These three words all refer to the same person. I want to just give you a few biblical illustrations or demonstrations of that. In Acts chapter 20, which we read in opening, it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, Paul sent to the elders, the presbyteros, and then he addresses the elders. The elders, plural. In verse 28, speaking to the elders, he says that God has made you episkopos. He's speaking to those same elders, and he says God's made you episkopos, bishops. And he goes on and says, be poimain, be shepherds. The King James Version says, feed, Greek, poimaino, a verb uh, which is formed from the noun shepherd. Now, let me just say this. Paul would have erred and being unethical, if there were a pastor among these elders, then he should have summoned the pastor, not the elders. I'm trying to make the point, they're all the same one. In the church today around the world, 
We've got elders sometimes, we've got deacons, and then we've got a pastor. It's just very unbiblical. It's got no grounds in the Word of God. Not from the beginning to the end of the Bible. They're all the same office. 1 Peter 2 verse 25, speaking of our Lord Jesus, it says that he is the shepherd, the poimain, and overseer, episcopos of our souls. So the one who is a shepherd is also an overseer. In 1 Peter 5 verses 1 and 2, Peter says this, To the elders among you, be shepherds, to the episcop, to the presbyteros, be shepherds, pomain, of God's flock that is under your care, serving as episcopos overseers. So why three different words for the same person? Well, this is what I, how I see it, and I've checked this out all over the place. The, the one is the qualification to be an elder. In other words, the office. The second one, the shepherd, is the spiritual ministry to feed the flock. And the word overseer is the work that has to be done to oversee. So let's have a look at some of the responsibilities that we find in the Word of God that teach us what a pastor or an elder should do. These are basically fivefold. Just trying to hurry through here, but not rush it too much. The first part of the responsibility of elders is to rule. 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, The elders that rule well are worthy of double honor. Oversight in the local church is the responsibility of elders, the elders, not one elder, not a elder above the elder, other elders, the elders that rule well. And it's not the apostles or the congregation. It's the elders that have oversight in the local church. 1 Timothy 5.17 in the King James says the elders that rule well in 1 Timothy 5.17 in the New International, same Greek word, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well. So the elders direct the affairs, they manage. Now that's the first word, ruling. And that Greek word, ruling, there, there are three Greek words for, for ruling. One means to stand in front of or to stand at the head. It's the same word that's used in 1 Timothy 3, verses 4 and 5. Um, and I, I'd, I'd like to try and read that to you so you get the picture, because what it really is teaching is it's like a father with his sons. And I want to just show you that from the Scriptures. I want the Scriptures to try and speak more than I can speak. So we see here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, if you've got your Bibles there, that it, Paul's writing, and he says this in 1 Timothy 3, uh, verse verse four, talking of this, the elders, the the uh, presbyteros, he must manage his own house or own family well, and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, so this is a father with his children. Paul referred to Timothy as his son in the in the gospel, and. Uh, you can see that for yourself in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 2 and uh, and verse chapter 1 verse 2 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 you'll see that also in Philippians chapter 2 verses 20 through to 22 he did the same with Titus in Titus chapter 1 verse 4 with Onesimus and Philip uh, uh, in Philemon verse 10 and in his relationship with the church and churches in 1 Timothy 1 Thessalonians 2 11 and 12 and 1 Corinthians 4, 15. Please 
push pause, read some of those scriptures. It's the same word again that's used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And there are three major factors to, to this function of leading or ruling or managing. First of all, it's to work hard, which the New International says, the King James says, labor. That's the first function, a factor of that function. The second one is to over you or rule. NIV says over you, the King James Version says rule. And the third uh, factor in this function is to admonish, the, as the New International says, or teach or warn, as the King James Version said. So that's the first of those three Greek words for ruling. The second Greek word means not just to stand in front of or to stand at the head of, but it also, the second one is to lead or leading. And the two usages of this word are, as a, the first one is like an oriental shepherd ahead of his sheep. Now, I've seen this happening where the, the shepherd walks ahead and the sheep follow. He doesn't drive from behind and it's to lead. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He leads us in the paths of righteousness, etc. That's the first part of leading. Its usage is to lead as an oriental shepherd ahead of his sheep. But secondly, as a general in the army, leading his army. And that's the same word that's used in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, 17 and 24, where it talks about leading and ruling. And then the third uh, word, uh, uh, that uh, the third uh, word that is used for uh, ruling in the Bible, in the New Testament, is a verb derived from the noun shepherd, a very strong word that has to do with disciplining. So that's the first function, is to rule. The second function of eldership of the pastor is not only to rule, but also to teach. 1 Timothy 5.17 says that he must be able to teach and that the elders, are, that especially those who teach, so while all elders rule, not all elders are able to teach to the same extent. All elders must be able to teach. <coughs> Excuse me, 1 Timothy 3.2, Titus 1.9, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, all of these say that we must be able to teach. And in order to be able to teach, you must be thoroughly taught yourself. You've got to know the Word of God, be involved in it, let the Spirit of God teach you, let the anointing teach you, as 1 John tells us. And uh, while we as all elders must be able to teach, that doesn't mean we're all able to do the same from the pulpit. We don't have to necessarily be a pulpit figure, uh, but it's more, more than likely it's about systematic, systematic teaching, uh, even in a smaller group. Just remember this, especially of those of you who are elders, that preaching and teaching are more the responsibility of the elders than the apostles. So often people bring apostolic team people into their churches, hoping that they'll do something, communicate, teach uh, the people, and they relax. But it's, a, it's the ministry of elders to teach. So teach and teach as good as you can. Now, the third function of the eldership is to equip others to do the work of the ministry. And so we just want to have a quick look at Ephesians chapter 4, 
Listen, you remember that you know Ephesians chapter 4 pretty well, I would imagine. It's he that gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what, what are they to do to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry? So part of the ministry of elders is uh, the pastors, the elders, the shepherds, is to equip others to do the work of the ministry. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, if you read it for yourself, shows us that it's God's intention that every believer um, is to be a priest. We've covered that in some other teaching in the past, the priesthood. But believers are, are, are to walk in the balance of their employment, their vocation, and their spiritual service for God. The next one is the fourth little uh, responsibility of, of, of elders is praying for the sick. In a, now, all of us can pray for the sick. But James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders, and let them anoint with oil and pray, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick, etc. So you can have a look at James 5, 14. So anointing, I, to me, as I read the scriptures, anointing really is, uh, anointing with oil is limited to the elders. And so we should call, we encourage the people in our churches to call for the elders, even before they go to hospital. When someone's sick, call for the elders, let them pray the prayer of faith, anoint with oil, and see what God does. And then the fifth function, quickly, because our time is running out here, is that we all, we as elders, are exhorted, uh, are to exhort and to refute dissidents. And you can see that in Titus chapter 1, verse 9. You can't always be, in other words, you can't always be Mr. Nice Guy. We Sometimes we've got to correct, we've got to rebuke, and we've got to encourage. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, and Titus chapter 2, 15 tells us. And sometimes we've even got a command, like 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18 says. But just let me say this to those of us who love a bit of authority, we can't always be rebuking. We must also be encouraging. It says that correct, rebuke, and encourage in 2 Timothy 4.2, Titus 2.15. So then we move on quickly to the next little part of this, uh, this study. And I'm going to have to hurry through this, but just look at the requirements in order to qualify for eldership. Maybe I should do this in a separate teaching. So... I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, everyone who hears this is listening now. I ask in Jesus' name that you would encourage them to care for your flock. That every believer will do what you've called us to do, to encourage and to care for, to be available to, pray for, all these things that are in the Word of God. And I pray for those that are, are, have been called to the office of eldership, that they would function together in unity that that function together in bringing care, direction, leadership, managing of the church that is yours by the purchase of your own blood. I commit your people to you, your church to you, and I pray that we would be more and more effective in going forward in Jesus' name. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory. Amen. Blessings on you.